Sports Pen coming at you Wednesday afternoon. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for being with us. I'm back. Took a day off yesterday. Feeling under the weather. A little peaked. Back at it today and glad to be with you. So we're doubling up on news, what we missed from yesterday, packing it in today. John Michael Hofling from ABC10 in studio with me. How's it going? Going pretty good. Glad to be here as always. Glad to see you're back. Glad to hear you're back. Well, I appreciate that and hopefully the listeners are feeling the same way. <laughs> uh, as always, good to have you here as well. Schedule, I tell you what, has been working out pretty good for you regarding playoffs. You've got the Warriors one night, the Sharks another. You can alternate, but that way you don't have to pick between your favorite teams. Oh, I never have to pick anyway i got my dual monitor set up whenever they're both going on so, there you go yeah, yeah, so you got it all, all I, I, bases I, I, covered i never miss it i never miss it the only problem is audio it's which one you're going to listen oh, to all right 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 right. and i always choose hockey commentators okay yeah, yeah. yeah. hockey commentators are something else yeah they, a different are. Level. they are i tell you and you've got kenny albert for this series with yeah, the shark yeah, series yeah, yeah. he's one of my favorites in any sport mm-hmm. he does all four of the major sports he's the only one to do so but he's just so much fun to listen to. No matter what the sport is, he calls a great game. Way better than Joe Buck. <laughs> we can say that. But he's not <laughs> with our network. I tell you what, the Warriors pick up the win last night. We'll start in the NBA because that's where most of the action happened. A 116-94 win over the Blazers in Game 1 of that best-of-seven Western Conference Final. It was a six-point game entering the fourth quarter, but then Golden State outscores them 39-23 in the fourth. I tell you what, Portland's defensive strategy of hoping Steph Curry misses wide-open threes didn't pan out too well. Yeah, but did you see what their head coach said, what Barry Stott said after the game? Mm. You freaked out on the reporter because the reporter was like, are you going to try to trap him like Houston did? And Stotts just replied with, oh, how well did that work? Oh, 13 points in the fourth quarter? Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll look at that, though. <laughs> I get him, though. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you supposed to guard him? It, it, it's a difficult question. Especially when your backcourt isn't producing when Maurice Harkless is scoring as much as one of your top guards. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Clay Thompson is one of the best defenders in the league, and nobody gives him credit for mm-hmm. it. He's going to shut down C.J. McCollum. Steph, you know, he's a little more lackadaisical on defense. Uh, he's, and I'm not saying he's bad. He, I, I think he's all right. But he goes for more big plays, more steals and stuff like that, rather than just lock down, don't let your man get the ball. So... I mean, since Dame sort of facilitates that offense, I mean, Steph working around it, that could be all right. But if CJ decides to take the ball down court, I think that's when Dame is going to start to pick things up on offense. Steph had it clicking on offense as well as defense. 36 points on 12 of 23 shooting. Clay with 26 points and some lockdown defense, as you mentioned. Team was on fire as a whole, though. They shoot 50% from the field. 42 of 84, that's that's Warrior basketball. Offensively, that's what you're looking for without arguably the best player in the world on the floor. You know how I feel. Like, I, you know, I love him. Like, I'm a Warriors fan. I love KD. But you know how I feel. They're 31-4 and four without him since he joined. You're one of the Warrior fans. Well, basically all of them. I'd say 99% of the Warrior fans would not spit on KD if he was on fire. Uh, Even though he's that good. He, he is good. He, I, don't get me wrong. I don't think they're, I'm not saying they're a better team without him, but mm-hmm. I am saying that they are fine without him. They are. I think right now without KD, they might be able to beat the Bucks in a series. Mm-hmm. I think right now I would probably give the edge to the Bucks. I think they're more well-rested. They've already beaten the Warriors by 20 in Oracle earlier this year. So there's a lot going in the Bucks' favor. With KD, I'd say maybe I'd say it probably edges out to the Warriors in that regard. 
But right now, I still think the Warriors would have a chance to take on the Bucks. Well, and a lot of people have been wondering, are the Warriors a better team without Kevin Durant? Here's my take on that. I don't think they're necessarily a better team because no one gets better by taking a player of that caliber out of the lineup. But they're a different team. They allow other players to step up like Steph Curry. I just don't think he likes playing with Durant. He gets the opportunity to be the alpha again. They're a different team, and it allows Steph to have a bigger upside, a greater upside, yeah. and higher potential, and that mostly comes from behind the arc, which leads to a bigger offensive output. So I don't know that they're necessarily better without Durant. It's just which player's upside is going to be well, better. Yeah, I mean, it's like how many times have I said that on this show? Mm-hmm. It's when Katie's not in the lineups. The Warriors are a more well-run, more well-oiled offensive machine when Steph is the at the forefront of the offense and not KD. Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing that a lot of people think with the 76ers. It's like, oh, Embiid is their best player, but for some reason when Ben Simmons takes the forefront, they seem to do better on offense. And it's the same sort of thing. Like Even though KD might be the best player on the team, I, I, I disagree. I think Steph is phenomenal and just forces defenses to change their entire game plan surrounding him. Even though uh, they might not have their best player, they just work better because mm-hmm. their offensive game plan works more efficiently in a system revolving that player. Be honest, all you Warrior fans, you've still got some partiality to Steph. You want him to be the alpha on that I team. Do, you know what? I'm, I will agree with that. <laughs> I do want Steph to be the man, and I do want him to like break all the records or whatever. I think, and a lot of people don't think this, but if KD leaves the Warriors, Steph takes over again. We're going to go back to that MVP caliber stuff. Maybe not the same exact caliber, but I would imagine we'd see something close to that, more along the lines of what James Harden did this season on Mm -hmm. offense. Portland were shooting themselves in the foot. They were in the game going into the fourth quarter, but they turned the ball over 21 times last night. You just can't do that in the playoffs, especially against the Warriors. And to Golden State's credit, they cashed in. They scored 31 of their 116 points off of turnovers. It's being opportunistic. You can't do that. Well, and that's the thing. The Warriors are really good at offense. <laughs> so giving them more offensive possessions doesn't work. And they haven't been that good on defense. So I think a more ball management approach against the Warriors would probably work out in your favor. Yeah, you can't give them 21 extra possessions when they're shooting yeah. 42 of 84 from the field when they're hitting yeah. half their shots. Heading, in, heading into the playoffs, I don't think the Warriors were even – top 10 in the league in opponents' points per game. Mm-hmm. Their point differential was only 5.8. So there's not a, like, yeah, you don't play for more possessions because you're like, oh, we're shooting well. You're never going to shoot as well as the Warriors. I'm sorry, but you're not. So just saying, oh, we're, we're on fire, so we gotta keep we got to keep it going, move fast pace, fast pace, fast pace. That's not going to work out against the Warriors. Well, I tell you what, let's look back at last night's NBA draft lottery because Kevin Durant's a good segue. Last night can definitely affect where he may go coming next season because we all know he's not coming back to Golden State. Anthony Davis says despite the Pelicans getting the top overall pick via the draft lottery that he still wants to be traded. So now if you're New Orleans, you're looking for the best possible option. Who would like to give up something valuable for a guy who may resign, may not, depending on the team? they got to be targeting the Lakers here, don't they? Try to get the number one and number four overall pick. I was thinking that too. A team, yeah, the Lakers, uh, the Knicks have said that they, they they wouldn't mind Anthony Davis as well. Mm-hmm. There's there's a bunch of teams that want Anthony Davis. And I will say, after R.J. Barrett and John Morant, mm-hmm. I think this draft sort of falls off. So anything, oh, yeah. pa- anything past three 
I think you could probably get that and a couple good role players for Anthony Davis. I don't think this is likely to happen, but what if it did? They work out a deal to send Anthony Davis to Memphis for the number two overall pick and maybe something else, and they get the number one and two overall pick. The problem would be they'd have to convince Anthony Davis to re-sign in Memphis, and I don't think he would, so I don't think Memphis would make that trade. Yeah, I think Anthony Davis wants to be in a major market. But what if it did? It'd be crazy. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them, but for a number two overall pick, mm-hmm. and Memphis needs a point guard. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, he can handle the ball, but he's not going to be the one that like sets up the offense, takes it down the court, and tells everybody what to do. He can handle himself, but uh, I don't think Memphis would work. <laughs> I don't think it would work out. But if it did, I mean, call me crazy. All right, we're all about hot takes here. This is a point guard league. Yep, I've said it time and time again. Point guard league. All that matters is having a point guard to facilitate your offense, having a guy who can put together an offense. Zion Williamson is great, mm-hmm. but when was the last time a big man, not named LeBron, was able to single-handedly take his team to the playoffs and then win a championship? I don't remember the last time. Yeah, It's a different league. Mm-hmm. So, if the Pelicans choose to pick Zion Williamson, I feel like that might hinder their chances at, at a... Future, at a future championship run. But if they can work out a deal to get the three or four from the Knicks or the Lakers, then they can get RJ or Moran or somebody like no, that. RJ, I don't know. RJ and Morant are not going to be available at four. No, they, no, at three and four. Well, at three, they could get one of the two, right. like RJ or Morant. Right, but, but that at, would at, involve trading with the Knicks. Yeah, at four. Probably but, not. No. no. Which no. makes you feel for the Cleveland fans, or maybe not. Cleveland falling to number five after having one of the best lottery odds. How much do you think John Beeline is regretting his decision now? <laughs> like, probably, probably he, here's the weird thing. The timing of this decision is weird to me because he makes the decision Monday morning to leave Michigan for the NBA when the very next night, the fate of his franchise arguably is going to be decided by the way a few ping pong balls bounce. <laughs> yeah, so you're not a big fan of the draft lottery. Well, I, it's just the way that they do it. Like, so? it's 2019, we're letting ping pong balls with team logos decide it? How, would you rather, like, a, a dog choose? Like, I think, like, a computer system would make a lot more sense. Well, I mean, isn't that the same sort of thing as ping pong balls? Not really. Randomizing through the computer, I think, would make a lot more sense. I mean, but the, the, then there's flair to it. Yeah, the, like, the, you just the, do the, total the, shuffle mode. No, the ping pong balls have flair. That's what I'm saying. It's they like, do, if it's all about the showmanship. But then they should show the ping pong ball drawing. That's true. I, I would agree with yeah. that. They need to show that. It's all about putting on a show for the fans. and I mean, they do put on a good show for the NBA draft lottery. That gets more coverage than a lot of college sports that aren't <laughs> football or basketball. By the way, they hosted that at the Hilton in Chicago, where Dr. Richard Kimball confronted Charles Nichols about falsifying his RDU-90 research and framing him for his wife's murder in the movie The Fugitive. How about that? Harrison Ford. Good little bit of trivia. It's a good movie. Yeah, I haven't seen good. that in a while, but it's I a good movie. Ha- there isn't a single bad Harrison Ford movie. Oh, no, he's the one Force of the greatest Awakens. of all time. Force Awakens, I've never seen that one. You haven't seen Star Wars Episode Seven. I've never seen Star Wars. You've never seen Star Wars? <laughs> never seen Star Wars. I, I don't get What is with you, man? My favorite Harrison Ford movie, though, is Air Force One. That's a good one. That's a great movie. Yeah, have you seen any? Okay, what about the Indiana Jones films? Oh, I've seen a little bit okay, of it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. But no, I've uh, I've got a particular taste in movies. I watched The Nun last night. Are you a horror guy? Oh, yeah. I, w- I was exchanging, uh, before I came here, I was actually exchanging ghost stories with one of my coworkers. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. No, I'm not going to say them here because they're spooky. But right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I tell you what, speaking of the Hilton in Chicago, there were a lot of Chicago Bulls fans in the crowd, and they were a pretty disappointed group. They fall all the way back to number seven. Phoenix fell out of the top four to number six, and when they went to commercial after announcing five through 14, you thought, there's no way the Knicks aren't going to get the number one pick now. Yeah. And look how that worked out. There, there are times when I think the NBA lottery is great. Mm-hmm. You know, without the NBA lottery, LeBron probably would have never gone back to Cleveland mm-hmm. because if it wasn't for the lottery, Cleveland would not have had the number one overall pick, which wouldn't have been able to get them Kyrie Irving and Anthony Bennett and other players, which wouldn't have given them the uh, tools available to trade for Kevin Love, which wouldn't have been able to gather Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love to convince LeBron to come back to Cleveland. And LeBron going to Cleveland was just great for the NBA in mm-hmm. terms of publicity, right? For reasons like that, I like the NBA draft. But there are years where it sucks. <laughs> I did like Alvin Gentry's reaction. It wasn't that great. Not something we can play on air. No. If, even if we had the audio for it. I do have a soft spot for Alvin Gentry. Yeah. Right. No, I'd, I'd freak out too. Uh, yeah. If I had a 6% chance to get something really good, and then that can't, I'd be like, oh, heck yeah. People are all saying the NBA lottery is rigged, like the Lakers getting into the top four, getting the top four pick. They don't realize that the top two teams picking in the draft, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, are the two least valuable franchises in terms of overall capital. Well, you can't make it too obvious. No, I, I guess mean, not. The, the biggest conspiracy theory, like the biggest like piece of evidence I've heard is the reason I just gave, where it's like, if Cleveland didn't get the number one pick in two consecutive years, LeBron would have never come back. And, mm-hmm. and that's the only piece where I'm like, okay, maybe something is up. But every other year, everything else that's happened, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Sure. So getting back to what you said earlier before we go to break, do you think that New Orleans will take Zion, or should they go for a point guard? If they can grab the number three pick from New York. And I would trade Anthony Davis and like something else to – because you need a point guard. They mm-hmm. need a point guard. There are two great ones. And if you can get Ja Mora, R.J. Barrett, slash R.J. Barrett, and Zion Williamson, that is the building of a new team. But if they cannot, I think they should take Zion still, but mm-hmm. at least heavily consider. Right. Because you can't pass on Zion. You can't be you can't, the team that passes on a guy this box pass, office. Yeah, you can't pass on Zion. Because that's just going to look bad from the moment you do it. Mm-hmm. And... You better hope RJ and Ja are uh, RJ or Ja is way better than Zion because if he's not, if they are not, if they don't end up having a better career, you're going to be the team that forever passed on this guy who was supposed to be the next LeBron. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. We owe you our first time out. When we come back, we preview the Bucks and Raptors. Plus, could the next LeBron era Cavs dynasty emerge from this series? Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight at 8.30. You can hear it here on ESPN-UP with a pregame coverage beginning at 8. Raptors visit the Bucks at the Pfizer Forum. I think we have the best matchup. I think we have the two best teams in the Eastern Conference going at it. I do think Milwaukee's overall more talented team. But that's not why I think they win this series. I think they win it because of their depth. Uh, honestly, I'm surprised people are picking Toronto at all. In yeah. Series. Milwaukee is so far and away the best team in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I don't know if it's the West because, I mean, look what LeBron did in the West. Yep. Everybody was like, oh, Lakers are going to be a good team now. They're going to be the two-seed or the three-seed. No. I think that they are a legitimate shot at dethroning the Warriors, and the Raptors would not stand a chance. Here's some numbers that really clinch it for me, why the Bucks should be the obvious pick. I still say Bucks and six. The Milwaukee bench in these playoffs, they're averaging 37 points a game on 48% shooting, and they're playing 40% of the minutes. Toronto's bench, conversely, in their series against Philadelphia, they play just 25% of the minutes, 22 points a game on 39% shooting. So that's about what you would want out of a bench, but still nowhere close to Milwaukee. No. And what was it, game four, where Giannis was in foul trouble, missed most of the third quarter, Middleton too? That's where the Milwaukee bench really stepped up and took command of that series. Yeah, that's the thing. Even when Giannis doesn't succeed, he's got Lopez, he's got Lopez, Bledsoe, and Middleton to fall back on. He's got that entire bench, and it's great. And there are a lot of things I've seen. Giannis is still my pick for MVP, but there are a couple things I've seen where it's like, when for there was a stretch of about thirty games in the regular season where the Bucks were actually more efficient. They were scoring more points per one hundred possessions. Without Giannis on the court. Mm-hmm. Giannis is the best player in the world right now, in my opinion. And that's just mind-boggling to think about. This guy who is by far the face of his franchise. By far everything about his franchise. You can't say Milwaukee Bucks without mentioning Ante the Kumpo at this, at this time, right? And yet, somehow the team... There was a stretch where the team was better when he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. That's, inc- that's insane and, and, and incredible. It reminds me of when the Warriors were first starting their dynasty, and it was like, oh, well, when they don't have Clay Thompson or Draymond Green, when they have Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala in there, they're somehow doing better. And everybody was like, how is that possible? And it just shows how good they are. Or like now without Durant. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> we still have... Like, if... if if you said without KD and Curry, I'd be like, all right, sure. But without KD, I'm just like, yeah. Or if, you, if it was just without Curry. Because mm-hmm. Curry just creates a whole new... Curry enters the room and the aura changes. He is a threat as soon as he walks past the logo. Mm-hmm. That's why a team is more efficient with him. Because you have to press up on him at half court. That's why. But when KD's there, it's like, okay, you can lay off him, just avoid the elbow jumper, <laughs> and you'll be all right. They would be a much worse team without Curry than they are without Durant. Yes. I mean, yes. that's that's mind-boggling to think about. But it's the truth. Yeah. Tell you what, though. Michael's Monday Minute, which airs on ABC10. Always enjoy tuning into that. You brought up something that was really good. I actually talked a little bit about it on my show earlier, and that is the matchup against Giannis in the post. This won't be a typical try to lock him down defensively, uh, have your big man go at it, because they got Gasol. They acquired him for Valanchunas in the midseason, and he's a good defender, Gasol is. He's a big reason why Toronto's gotten to this point. But against Giannis, I don't like that matchup. Uh, against Brooke Lopez, I don't like that matchup. Well, against Miritich. I, I, w- I would say that Gasol does match up well with Giannis's skill set. Mm-hmm. Giannis is a little bit of a better shooter from the outside than Embiid or Vucevic was, right. I'd say. But... Gasol defends the interior very well, and if there's one guy in, left in the Eastern Conference who can stop him, I mean Horford had some success yeah. against him, and I think Gasol is a little bit better than Horford. I don't know about that. I think really? Horford was the best big man defender that Giannis is going to see. Oh, Andrew Bogut? No, I'm joking. Uh, I don't know about Bogut either. <laughs> I think Gasol is legitimately great at defense. But when you get guys oh, also, that know, actually, what about Serge Ibaka? Ibaka's good, but 
being able to defend inside and then outside against guys who can shoot, big men who can shoot like Milwaukee has. Yeah. I don't know that Gasol's a wreck. I mean, honestly, I know that was a good trade to help him get into the playoffs, but do you think they kind of regret it? Wouldn't you rather have Valanciunas in this situation? I think in this situation, yeah. Yeah. Gasol's not good on the perimeter, and he's going to be on Brook Lopez for most of the time. I mean, like you said in my Monday Minute, I brought this up, where Gasol was great against those guys in the post, Vucevic and Embiid, but when, when it comes to Brook Lopez, who, you know, never goes into the pain at this point in his career, sits on the outside... That's going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. Gasol has no idea how to guard that. So, and there's only one of them. Yeah. So, I mean... You're kind of heavy, Baca. Like, I feel like they're going to have to run some sort of zone, right? They're going to have to, yeah. But if that's the case, Brook Lopez can just shoot over everybody else. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is going to be... Plus, like, everybody else can shoot on that Yeah. <laughs> but, You're going to ask Pascal Siakam to play defense? <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Uh, they're still missing OG and Obi because he had that... What was it like? Emergency appendectomy. appendectomy yeah, that's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Yeah, he's uh, probably not coming back for the rest of this season. That's a big loss to your post defense if you're Toronto. So it kind of is a good segue into this. Are we going to get the newest Eastern Conference dynasty out of this series? Because this year there was so much optimism for teams in the East, especially the top four. We knew the top four teams this year in the Eastern Conference would be Toronto, Boston, Philly, Milwaukee. And I was pretty close. You were pretty close. I'll give I, you that. I, I, I said I said Toronto would be one, Milwaukee would be two, Boston three, Philly four. So you fl- you flip e- one and two, three and four. I mean, I think that's pretty close. It's pretty good. We'll give you that one. I mean, I would have to look at how long uh, Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe have on their contracts. Well, Middleton is hitting up free agency this year, but from Ooh. what it sounds like, all indications are that the Bucks are going to shell out money. They're going to make sure that they keep him around, which is the right move. Mm-hmm. Yep. Middleton, a former second-round pick, and you see what he's doing. Brogdon was a second-round pick, and he ended up being a rookie of the year. Giannis selling watches on the street in Greece at one point in his life, and they put this team together. That front office deserves a ton of credit, but now they have a team together that mirrors what LeBron used to be in the Eastern Conference with Cleveland. Everyone was so optimistic that LeBron was out of here now, the East would be wide open. Now it's looking like we have a new dynasty that it's going to run through all over because Giannis has taken over the role that LeBron used to when he was with Cleveland. Chris Middleton kind of plays the Kyrie Irving role. He's probably not the alpha for another team, but can he be a 1B in all-NBA talent and hit the big shot when you need to? Absolutely he can. Chris Milton fits in every single NBA system. Mm-hmm. You could put him on any team. He would fit right in. I still don't think he would be the top player on a good team. No, no. That, that's the thing. He won't ever be the ace go-to guy. Mm-hmm. But you can stick him anywhere, and he will work. He just he won't steal shots. He won't steal star power. He won't take press coverage. But he fits, and he's he good. Yeah, it, I, I used to think the same thing about Clay Thompson. I don't as much anymore because Clay Thompson has you know started to shoot more often. Right. But Chris Milton does legitimately. I, I think that he just plays that number two role so well. I think that Milwaukee has a better chance, even if they lose this series, that they still have a chance at being the next LeBron era Cavs dynasty to run the East, which is. Not good for the Eastern Conference. It's great if you're a Milwaukee fan, but you liked having that optimism well, this year. I, I would say I think that they are by far their heads and heads and toes above everybody else in the East right now. But because there are so many teams in the East that are one good player away from being at that same level, 
I'd say that it's unlikely. Like, when LeBron was in the middle of his eight straight finals appearances or whatever, Mm -hmm. there was never a team where I looked at and I was like, they are just as good as the Heat or the Cavs Mm -hmm. with LeBron. This, like, if the 76ers got one more good... If the 76ers got KD... It's over, yeah. Yeah, if Toronto got KD, I'd be like... It's over. But I don't think either of those will happen. No, I don't think either of those will happen. But I'm saying if they get a, a player at that talent level, a top 20 player in the NBA, they add another one of those top 20 players, yeah, I, I would say that it's it's not a dynasty. I would say that it's very likely not a dynasty for Milwaukee because I feel like it's only going to get more difficult. They're shelling out all this money for Middleton. They're running out of cap space. They're not a big market team. So... It's it's only going to get more difficult with these teams coming up. I still think they've got the pieces there as long as you got Giannis, you got Middleton, you keep one or two of those other guys to provide a little depth for you. They just seem set, and they've well, got mean, the right coach in place for even, the first even, time in how long? Even for the Warriors, that that didn't last forever. They had this amazing bench, grabbed KD, and all of a sudden those pieces started to fall away. Harrison Barnes, Andrew Bogut. But they're still the cream of the crop. They're still the cream of the crop, but you can tell there's some cracks in that armor. There are. There yeah. are, but would, would you call the Warriors a dynasty at this point? Oh yeah, okay, all yeah, right. I would. Yeah, yes, I very much so think the think the Bucks could could become the next Warriors. Yes, I think they are they are on pace to be the next in line. And you're right that there are a lot of teams in the East who are one piece away, but I don't know that a lot of them know what that piece is or what their next move is. Obviously, like, Boston doesn't. They Boston has no idea anymore because Terry Rozier is going on saying that if they try to bring the same team back next year, he probably has to go. Kyrie likely isn't going to come back. Boston fans are sweating because they were hoping Anthony Davis might be able to come to Boston in this offseason. But with the way the draft lottery shook out last night, I'm not so sure that's going to happen anymore. I just I don't know where Boston goes from here. Danny Ainge is a great executive. I'm sure he'll do all the right moves this offseason as best that are available. But I don't know that it's going to be enough to compete in the Eastern Conference. Brad Stevens has a great basketball mind. Yeah. So, I mean, look at what he did without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward last year. So I think even without Terry Rozier and Kyrie Irving, they'll still be a good team. I think they'd still be very, very good. And that would open up a little bit of space to grab somebody else. And if Milwaukee loses in the finals, there's no way... Chris Milton's leaving. Really? No, he's okay. going to want to come back. No, but if they lose to Toronto, it's like, oh, geez, we weren't no. even the best team. This was supposed to be our year. Mm-hmm. Then I'd say there's a chance uh, Chris Milton leaves. I tell you what, looking at other teams in the Eastern Conference, if the Raptors don't win this series, is that enough to keep Kawhi Leonard? I think Kawhi's going to stay. Think so? Yeah. Especially after that shot the other day, like yeah. that was his defining moment, is what it seems like. <laughs> it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It's got how many views on YouTube? Ten <laughs> percent of those are mine. It was a heck of a shot, and it's like you saw Jordan just had his thirty-something oh. anniversary of his game winner against the Cavs. Yeah. It's that moment for Kawhi Leonard. Already, Kawhi has gained more notoriety on the on the Raptors than he ever had with the Spurs, mm-hmm. and I think he likes it. Yeah, you, you have to like it, right? Because mm-hmm. you spend all this time on the Spurs, where everybody who plays on the Spurs never gets any like presence. Nobody. Nobody will ever say Tim Duncan is the greatest ever. Mm-hmm. But he was arguably the greatest ever. People have forgotten that DeMar DeRozan is on the Spurs. Right. Yeah. People forget Tony Parker is still in the league. Yeah, people forget you know. that LaMarcus Aldridge is on the Spurs. People Like, yeah. But now going to Toronto, only team in Canada, so everybody in Canada loves him. Mm-hmm. Right? You got a whole nation behind you. Yeah, you got a whole nation. He drops that shot. 
So, which had more than just Canada. NBA fans, just pure NBA fans were like, that was incredible. He's gaining everything. I, why, why would he want to leave when he's gaining all this notoriety? People are loving him. Some people think he's the second best player in the league. What will Canadian sports fans do if the NBA championship comes to Toronto before the Stanley Cup does? Like, it'll be a bittersweet thing for them. I, I, I wouldn't say that basketball is going to overtake hockey anytime soon. Yeah, but they get a championship, and they do care about it enough mm-hmm. up there. But the Stanley Cup's just not coming to Canada for a while. I mean, I mean there's no Canadian I team close. I oh, you wouldn't say Toronto's close? I'd no. Say, I'd say Toronto's pretty no, close. No, they don't have the goaltending or the defense. I mean, but Carolina can't hold on to both of those goaltenders forever. Yeah, I think there's but McElhaney's that, up toward the end of his career. Yeah, but you can still grab that. I think they're... they're I mean... Toronto took Boston to seven. Boston is now in the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. You win that game seven, all of a sudden you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Presumably. You have, yeah, you have, a good, you have a good goalie. You win that game seven. I just don't think they have enough defensively. They're like Penn State hockey. They think all you need to do is score seven goals a game. Well, that's the thing. But If you can score seven goals a game, like sure, that can be an issue when your opponent scores six or eight every single time. But having a good goaltender... Would remove would remove that most times. So even without the defense, the fact that they were able to be so good without a defense just shows that adding a little bit of piece could push them. Adding a little bit of pieces on defense could push them over the edge. We are going to get to hockey in the next segment. Last thing on basketball before we go to break: this Philadelphia experiment with Embiid and Simmons as your top two. The process. Do you still trust that? Yes. Do you? But you need to. The one thing that the front office needs to do this offseason is sit both of them down and define their roles. Mm-hmm. That's what the Warriors did with Curry and KD. They sat them down and said, Curry, you are the number two. KD, you are our guy. And it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I think it could work better, you know, the other way around. But I don't think KD's personality would let that happen. So... Philadelphia needs to do the same sort of thing with Embiid and Simmons, or, and Jimmy Butler, I guess, a little bit too. So, They also need to stick Ben Simmons in the gym every day this summer, put an ankle bracelet on him that goes off every time he goes inside the three-point arc, and just make him shoot all day long, all summer. Here's the thing. People lose enjoyment when they're forced to do stuff. If Simmons wants to do that, go for it. Love it. But if you force somebody to sit in the gym for hours on end and just work on their shot... It's going to come to a point where they just don't like it, and it's going to affect their style of play. Yeah, but does he enjoy losing? No, no, no. Because that's what he's going to do if he doesn't develop a shot from the outside. I mean, he doesn't enjoy losing, obviously, but to for like, you can have an artist who loves to make art, loves to make money selling art, and they just make their own, and people are like, oh, I love this piece you made. Can I have it? The whole time they micromanage you on it. That's when you go, I'm not enjoying this. I don't want to do this. And that is when you start to lose enthusiasm and when you start to question things, when you start to be like, man, do I even want to be on this team? They're forcing me to do all this stupid stuff, and that could hurt you. I just don't see the process working out the way it is if Simmons doesn't develop an outside shot. So you don't have to stick him in the gym, but I'd be very clear if I were Elton Brand, this is the ultimatum. you got to learn how to shoot or you're not going to be a part of the process going forward. That's fair. All right. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. We owe you a timeout when we come back. Stanley Cup playoffs continue on next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.
Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops, John Michael Hovling with you. Here's your Sports Center update. The Buffalo Sabres have hired Ralph Kruger to be their next head coach. He replaces Phil Housley, who was fired last month. The New York Jets have fired General Manager Mike McCagnin. Head coach Adam Gase will serve as acting GM. But that hasn't even coached a game, and he's got two roles. And finally, a college student in South Africa has been arrested after receiving free food from multiple Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurants when he convinced the employees that he was from the KFC corporate office. Partnered with his friend who was a part-time limo driver, he would arrive in a limo dressed in a coat and tie. He even carried a fake KFC corporate badge and told the staff that he was there to check quality assurance of the food. How about that? It's smart. I hate that people get arrested <laughs> for stuff like that. Why? He's, got, gotta, he's scamming people. you got to reward creativity. Well, I give him props. I mean, the limo's a great touch. Yeah. you got a friend who's a part-time limo driver? Have, yeah. I mean, I mean, probably I, was, I, I, but I, he I got fired. Have you heard the story of the guy who, I can't remember what cell phone company it was, mm-hmm. but this guy was upset with the interest rates and stuff like that, so he basically reformatted the contract, told the people that he reformatted it. He was like, hey... I did some touch-ups on the contract uh, to make it more friendly, I think, to both of us. Read it over and uh, let me know. And so the company was like, all right, what could he have possibly reformatted? So they were just like, yeah, sure. Little did they know, he reformatted it so that there was no interest rate, all no late fees, not like made everything unlimited, stuff like that. And uh, they took him to court. But they were like, oh, you didn't read the contract. No. Like he, he told you he, he changed the contract. should have read it. Yeah, but you can't just lie about who you are to get free stuff. I mean, give him a job at KFC. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, in the report, they think that he did at one point work for KFC. There we go. Because he knew the ins and outs of the restaurant. He knew uh, a lot of the ways that the system worked, that they think he has some kind of experience working with Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm not looking at this guy thinking, oh, that's a bad guy. I'm thinking... This is this is a role model. <laughs> I, lo- I love creative thinking. <laughs> this is a role model for ripping <laughs> off KFCs. <laughs> uh, how about the kid in Grand Rapids? Happened right here in Michigan a few days ago. I'm sure a lot of people have seen this by now. The San Diego Padres on Mother's yeah, Day changed yeah. their name to the San Diego Madres in honor of Mother's Day. They wore it on their uniforms. They even changed their Twitter handle to at Madres instead of at Padres. A 22-year-old college student right here in Michigan down at uh, Calvin College in Grand Rapids took the Padres' Twitter handle. He was going to use it for himself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, and how bad of an idea is that on the Padres' part? At least have a burner account to snap it up. (laughs) I mean, mean, there was another time when Google.com was a free domain name for about three minutes and in that time mm-hmm. somebody stole the domain name google.com <laughs> and got just be i love that stuff mm-hmm. it's funny yeah and people are like oh that's that's so inappropriate or whatever you shouldn't do no yeah have fun snooze you lose yeah that one i can get behind the padres did end up getting the twitter handle back they had a little help from brand recognition i guess Ended up resetting the kid's old handle back to whatever it was before, and the Padres got at Padres back. They did DM him free tickets to give to his, quote, Madre and Padre. 
That's good. So how about that? Yeah, that's, he, that, that's a good response. He's a good podcast. baseball fan. He's, he's the catcher for Calvin's baseball team. Oh, really? Yeah, so he's got some baseball experience, and if he can make it out to San Diego, yeah, he's got a trip to Petco. Yeah. Never been to Petco Park. Good park. Is it? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I mean, they have a little sandbox. That's the only like weird part about it. I'll be on right center, a little sandbox. It's good. I'm okay. not as good as AT&T, but well, yeah. it's still pretty good. Well, it's not AT&T anymore. You're right. It's not. Oracle now. Yeah. Everything's Oracle out there. Yeah. It'll always be AT&T to you, though, right? For me, yeah. For I me. mean, every game I went there was AT&T. Uh, it was never, I never went to a game at Candlestick. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you what, looking at hockey... The Bruins took a 3-0 series lead last night. They beat the Hurricanes 2-1. Another fantastic performance from Tuka Rask. I mean, he has to be the Smythe favorite now, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Last night was his fifth game of 35 saves or more. That's the most in these playoffs. He's just the best player in the playoffs right now. Good sure. He's, he's playing well. I'll give him that. A uh, couple of goals the other night, unfortunately for the Sharks, did not translate to a win, but... I don't know. Just Tuca right now is just too good. I, I mean, if they don't win the cup, do you think he still gets? Do you think he still deserves it? It depends how they don't win the cup. If if it's like a one to nothing loss where he's making forty two saves, like in a game seven, that to me isn't on him. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some great performances where it's not the goalie's fault they lose, like Ben Bishop in game seven against the Blues. Yeah. If it's something like that, I don't think it's on him. If they lose like seven to six and he just falls apart and turns into Cam Talbot, then yeah, that's probably on him. Cam Talbot, <laughs> man, Edmonton—they thought they had all the pieces there, and then remember Dwayne Rolison? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yep, I remember him especially with Minnesota. Oh, good name, boy. Uh, tell you what, though, on the other side, they had a little bit of a goalie controversy with Carolina. It was the right move starting Curtis McElhaney last night. Mm-hmm. Right move didn't pan out. You know, they didn't win, but he played well. Carolina's got to, at some point, realize, like, okay, we're not supposed to be here, right? No, and Peter Mrazek's not going to be the guy who consistently can play at a level to get you there. Yeah, and I, like, obviously they've got to enjoy it while they're here, and yeah, they have to try to win. But to be like, oh, man, we made the wrong move. If we made, if we just, you know, had the right guy in that, we would have won this series. No. Like, you got hot, you had some great wins over the Capitals and the uh, Islanders, but your luck's going to run out. Of yeah. your, your luck's going to run out, and I, th- I think they're realizing that it's coming down to it. Well, and right now, Boston's just playing better than anybody in the playoffs, right? And Boston right now is the best team left. I don't know if that translates to a Stanley Cup when it's all said and done, but right now they're playing better than anybody, and it's particularly because of their special teams right now. Here's Boston's power play numbers. Overall in these playoffs, they were at 32%. In this series alone, 42% on the power play. That's just unstoppable. And then Carolina, conversely, overall in the playoffs, their power play, 5 of 50. This series against Boston, just 1 of 12. Special teams are getting it done for Boston right now. Special teams are so important. Yeah. You know, they're so underrated. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it helps with the major to Cody Eakin. Hey, that yeah. helps. Four goals. It's four I know, goals. I know that's not on. <laughs> uh, but I tell you what, do you think that the Bruins close this out in four games? Probably. Probably. I, th- I think, like I said, Carolina is sort of at that moment where they're like, all right, you know, we've had a good run. It was a good time. People are into us. People, We got our fans excited. Uh, let's take our L. Let's go home. Good season. 
Well, I tell you what, tonight, game three between the Sharks and Blues. The series shifts to St. Louis. Puck drops set for eight. They split in San Jose. I think the Blues are going to win tonight, but they're going to go back to San Jose, tied two games apiece. I, I would agree with that. I don't know if I don't know which one St. Louis is going to win, which one San Jose is going to win, but it's just been the case uh, all all postseason for the Sharks and the Blues in that, and I guess a little bit in that in that way too, where you go back two two. I think that the Blues will win tonight because they seem to figure out a good recipe, not turning the puck over because that absolutely killed them in Game One. They took good care killed of the puck a little bit in Game Two. Two short, two short-handed goals. Right, right. But Couture is just playing that well, like you alluded to yeah. earlier. Uh, they do have the better goalie in this series, and yes. a lot of times when you're not turning the puck over, you're not giving up odd man rushes like in Game 1, the team with the better goalie is usually going to succeed. That's why I think St. Louis will win tonight. I think the Sharks are going to adjust, and they're going to come back and win Game 4. I don't want to make a prediction beyond that, though, because this series is tight. Mm-hmm. St. Louis was arguably the hottest team in the league coming into the playoffs, mm-hmm. which I should have had them in my Western Conference Finals, maybe my Stanley Cup Finals. I had, I had Nashville. But I, I, I think St. Louis should be the favorite in this series. But it hurts me to say that. But, yeah, they are hotter than the Sharks right now. They are better, on, uh, they are better on, in five-on-five than the Sharks. Better goaltender, better defensive defenseman, not offensive defenseman. Yep. They're better at strictly defense. So, yeah, I think the Blues are the favorite. It just seems to me the way the Sharks are built that the Blues are going to be a tough matchup for them because, like you said, they have really good offensive-minded defensemen. The defensemen core for San Jose lead the playoffs in points, but they do that by taking some chances, by pinching, and that leaves Martin Jones exposed to an odd man rush, and I just don't (laughs) trust Martin Jones in that situation. Yeah, It's like rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's you have the Sharks, their scissors, offensive-minded team, very offensive-minded. And you have Rock, and you know, you got your Rock on defense. And you, you got other teams that are paper, which rely on sort of tricks and stuff like that, a strong power play penalty kill, and maybe mm-hmm. a really good goaltender. So, and the, so the Sharks are going to be able to beat any of those tricks just by overwhelming them with pressure and stuff like that. But a team like St. Louis... They've got that strong defense. They can handle that pressure. I mean, for a majority of the game, at least the parts I watched in game two, San Jose was consistently in the offensive zone, but they weren't getting many good chances. It's because St. Louis knows how to rotate. They know how to handle everything. And that's just going to play really well against the Sharks. What might be a good matchup for some is a terrible matchup for others. Rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. We owe you our last time out when we come back. Chris Sale is back. And he's back in a big way, setting records for Boston next in the Sports Pen and ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Thanks for hanging out with us in your Wednesday afternoon. Well, I tell you what, last night the Boston Red Sox set an all-time MLB record for most strikeouts through a nine-inning game. They struck out 21 Colorado Rockies, led by Chris Sale, who I think we can safely say is back. 31 punch-outs in his last two starts, 17 last night in seven innings. He's, you know, he's what people say is uh, good. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, not bad. He's not too bad. A little <laughs> bit of an attitude problem with the White yeah. Sox, but... 
I mean, uh, well, well, when, you, when you're as good as sale, you can afford to have that. Well, some would think so. I would think so. Yeah, probably. But then again, I thought the same thing about AB, and look, look how that turned out. <laughs> Chris Sale, now with the second most all-time strikeouts in an American League game, behind only Roger Clemens, who did 20 twice. Sale has 17, along with Bill Mombegay. Bill Mombegay did it in 1961 with the Senators, and Pedro Martinez did it twice. So Chris Sale's joining some pretty elite company. Yeah, he's back. He's been doing that for some time. Yes, he has. Chris Sale is still doing Chris, Chris Sale things. I, Chris Sale is one of the, like, you know, everybody knows my opinion on Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. I don't like him because he's got an attitude, and he thinks he's all that, and he doesn't perform like it. But for that exact same reason, I love Chris Sale. Not because he underperforms, but because he's all this trash talk and whatnot, but he backs it up. It was like Johnny Manziel in college. He would walk down, talk smack to the other sideline, say, you can't stop me, then go on the field and say, you literally can't stop me, yeah. and then do it. Baker and Mayfield, then too. The Baker Mayfield, too. When Baker Mayfield's shake, a better when example. When he shakes like his, his dingling at Kansas. Or, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, not awesome. Don't do that, kids. But it, it's good TV. I like Baker Mayfield in the NFL more than I do in college. I would say that, too. Yeah. He, he's grown, and he's learned how to... Like when he, whenever he goes on talk shows with people that don't like him, mm-hmm. he just dominates. He's so good at handling. Criticism. He is. I, I like that about Baker. I'm starting to get on the Baker bandwagon. Yeah. But I tell you what, is there a team hotter in baseball right now than the Houston Astros? Nope. Nine in a row. They thumped the Tigers last night, and Verlander making a return to Comerica this evening. Mm-hmm. That'll be mm-hmm. fun. Taking on Gregory Soto, making just his second ever major league start. How do you like that? That could be a tough one. You got. Justin Verlander, MVP, Cy Young. He's had a no-hitter, but not a perfect game, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. Gregory Soto. Yep. Hard-throwing, albeit inexperienced and somewhat inaccurate Gregory Soto. Yeah, and your second-ever game is against George Springer, Carlos Correa, <laughs> all those folks. Twin, what was it? They uh, Coming into – they have, I think, something like 29 or 28 home runs in their last 10 games. Mm-hmm. That's the most ever in a Houston Astros franchise 10-game span. They, they are on fire. This all started right after they went down to Monterey, Mexico, and they played two games against the Angels. It just seemed like the ball, you know, because it carries down there in Mexico maybe a little bit better, similar to Colorado, and it just hasn't stopped carrying for them since they'd come back to the U.S. I, and again, like George Springer, like you talked about, is there a better player in baseball right now? Yeah. Do you think so? Cody Bellinger. Uh, I don't know. I'd say Springer right now is the best player Spring, Springer's in baseball. Got, Springer's got the power numbers going, but like, I mean, his home run wasn't inside the Parker. Let's, let's yeah, but he's forget. still leading the AL in home runs. Yeah, he's leading the AL, sure, but I mean, he's 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 gotten a little bit of luck happening along the way, and he has a great team in front of him and behind him to drive him in and to drive runs in as well. I don't think Cody Bellinger or Christian Yelich has the same sort of star power around them to, to keep putting them RBIs and run numbers similar to Springer. So I think that that sort of, it doesn't diminish his greatness, but it certainly puts a hamper on it. And they're doing this without Jose Altuve. Yeah. He's on the IL. Is Springer the best player in the AL right now? Yes. Yeah, I would say so. And Mike Trout's the best player in the game, but similar to LeBron, he's not the best player right now. Yeah, nobody's good. When you, when you ask somebody, hey, who's the best player? In Major League Baseball, nobody's going to say George Springer. No, <laughs> but the, this season, I mean, yeah, Mike Trout's still having a good good year. Mm, kind of. 
I mean, he's getting overshadowed a little bit, surprisingly, by Albert Pujols because he's setting so many like new milestones for himself. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, I, what's he what's he hitting right now? Two forty something. Nah, he'll get it up. It's not great, but it's right around the league average. But when you're the highest paid player in baseball, you can't be average. Yeah, you can't. That's he's just still, the problem with him. He's right still now. doing well on defense, still making highlight real plays. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, if we want to talk about underperforming players. The guy I always like, I mean, Bryce Harper is hitting, what, 125 over his last 17 games? Yeah, and like 230 overall. Yeah. Machado's hitting like 235. Last night, uh, there was a, I was getting the Brewers highlights to, to put on ABC 10, and the first thing I, I saw was, before the game, Christian Yelch, Bryce Harper, and Reese Hoskins, like, talking, giving each other high fives and hugging it out, and uh, I was like, oh, I know how I'm going to start this package, and I started it off with a couple of great players uh, meeting before the game. And Bryce Harper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell you what, how about Keston Hira? Made his debut last night for Milwaukee. Looked pretty good, two for three. You know, honestly, I did not see that game. I, I couldn't. I couldn't say what I saw from his swing or anything like that. But two for three, as you said, pretty good. But, pretty encouraging for Milwaukee. But one game that I mean, Kelby Tomlinson for the Giants uh, started started his career off like four for five with two doubles, and I was like, oh, he's everything we need. But no. Uh, Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. That is it for us. Anything going on at ABC 10 you want the listeners to know about? Oh, yeah. I mean, we got our second ever Thursday throwdown coming up tomorrow, and it's with two people you know very well, Yes. Yeah, Nate Beckman and Tessa Lease. Normally in Thursday throwdowns they compete against me, but this time we have them competing against each other, which should be a much more Mm. balanced affair. So... Should be good stuff. Looking forward to checking it out over on ABC 10. Tell you what, before we sign off, let's take a look at tonight's MLB schedule and what games we have upcoming. We have four in progress right now. Still to come this evening, a 635 start for the Orioles and Yankees. Andrew Kashner is opposed by Domingo Herman. Then at 640, the Cubs take on the Reds at Great American Ballpark. Hugh Darvish is opposed by Sonny Gray. Gray still winless on the year. 0-4, 415 ERA tries to change that tonight against arguably the hottest team in baseball. Hottest team in the NL. We'll go with that. Cubs have won 23 of their last 30. 705 start for the Mets and Nationals. Patrick Corbin is opposed by Wilmer Font. 705 start for the Brewers and Phillies. The rubber match. Gio Gonzalez opposed by Jake Arietta. What a pickup Geo's looking like for the Brewers right now. 1-0 record, 1.69 ERA. 7-10, Colorado hoping for a much better offensive night tonight when Herman Marquez is opposed by Eduardo Rodriguez. Colorado at Fenway, 7-10 start. Another 7-10 start, this time at Comerica. Justin Verlander makes his homecoming as he takes on the Tigers. Astros-Tigers' Gregory Soto makes his second career start for Detroit. 7-10, the Rays and the Marlins in Miami. Ryan Stanek, again, the opener role for Tampa Bay. He is opposed by Jose Urania. 7-20, the Cardinals visit the Braves. Michael Waka is opposed by Mike Soroka. At 8-15, the Rangers take on the Royals at Kaufman. Mike Miner is opposed by Jorge Lopez. Then at 10-10, the Padres visit the Dodgers. Kenta Maeda is opposed by Matt Strom. That is a look at your baseball schedule for this evening. Again, we'll have live coverage of the Milwaukee Bucks. Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals welcoming Toronto at 8.30. You can hear it here on ESPN-UP. Pre-game coverage begins at 8. We got hockey as well. Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals. San Jose visits St. Louis. Puck drop is set for 8.
As always, if you've missed any part of the show today, check it out on demand. Go to the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just search up ESPN-UP and you can get our free mobile app. Check us out online at our website, ESPNUP.com. You can hear this episode, any episode of the Sports Pen. Even if you want to go back to football basketball season, you can do that with the ESPN-UP app. Make sure to get it. That is going to be it for us. As always, appreciate you tuning in. I'll be back on tomorrow, same time, same place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. Jake Durant from Local 3 will be with me. Hope to have you with us. For John Michael Hoefling, I'm Tanner Hoop signing off from the ESPN-UPWZAM studios. Thanks for listening to Sports Pen. Here's Will Kane.